0: Well, be executed by a firing squad, or choose to walk through a black door not knowing what's on the other side. That was a strange custom uh, told in a Middle Eastern story about a a general and a choice he would give to prisoners that were sentenced to die. Uh, As the story goes, another prisoner was brought before this general, and he was given that same choice. Choose the firing squad, which is certain death. Or walk through a black door not knowing what was on the other side. It could be torture, solitary confinement, another means of death. None of the prisoners knew what lie beyond the door, but they all knew the strange custom of this general. And faced with this choice, this prisoner, like many before him, chose the certainty of the firing squad over the uncertainty of the black door. He would rather die inside the fences of his prison Then face the unknown of what lie beyond. Moments later, shots rang out, signifying to the other prisoners that one other person had chosen death. As the general turned to go about his day, a young aide of his, who had never experienced this custom before, was overwhelmed with curiosity, and he asked the general, sir, what lies behind the black door? The general replied, most men choose the known way over the unknown. What lies behind the black door? Freedom. Total freedom. And I've only known a few men brave enough to take it. I actually believe that a lot of us live our lives like the prisoners in that story. We may not face physical death, but we are much more comfortable with what is known inside the fences we have created rather than venturing out into the wide open spaces of the unknown in life, where the possibilities are endless, but the problems are as well. Church, somehow, we've got to start living beyond the boundaries in our life, or we will die inside the fences we have created. If you're new here, my name is Jeff Manus. I am the lead pastor here, and whether you're a regular attender or new, whether you're joining us here in the auditorium or on a video screen somewhere, uh, thank you so much for being here and choosing to be with us. Week number one of a new sermon series I'm super excited about called Fences, Living Beyond the boundaries Now, I know that not everyone who is here today believes in God or calls themselves a Christian. And I, I get that. I really do. I, I don't know your reasons for not believing in God through Jesus. That's between you and the Lord. Uh, but I don't think it's any surprise to anyone that I do believe in God, right? Otherwise, I probably shouldn't be the pastor here. And, and this God I believe in, I believe he has created us to live significant lives, not small ones significance for him. So often though, in so many different ways in our lives, I know I'm guilty of this, we put up fences that keep us from living the full life that God has for us. Life to the Do you realize that's what Jesus said? He came to offer us his life to the full. It's why that that statement has always been uh, some part of our vision statement here at Element as well. In John chapter 10, John, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, perhaps the best friend of Jesus while on the earth, recorded Jesus saying about his followers these words in John 10 verse 10. The thief's purpose, that's the devil, the devil's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Dare I say the devil's purpose is to fence us in. My purpose, though, Jesus said, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Other versions say abundant life or life to the full. That's why the first part of our vision here at Element Church is we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, to connect into meaningful relationships, and to make a lasting impact. God wants us to live life to its fullest. I think we often misunderstand what that phrase means, though life to the fullest. A full life is not one that is problem free. A full life is one that is purpose-filled in spite of our problems. A full life is not one where I get everything I want. A full life is one where I begin to understand I've already been given everything I need in Jesus, so no matter what I have, my life can be full. A full life is not one where God puts limits on our living. A full life is one where I can live limitless because of Christ life to the full. These are all things that are true for us as individuals. And starting next week, it's a five-week series, starting next week, I will preach every week to us as individuals in the series. But for today, I wanna focus on the church as a whole. Not even just element church, but God's church And how we as Element Church can be a part of living beyond the boundaries, the fences we've created in life. Now today is going to be quite a bit different than what I would normally do. I'm abandoning my normal preaching style today, and I'm just going to share with you from my heart, if that's okay. Uh, So if you're familiar with my preaching style, there is no big idea today, no big question. There are no points that start with the same letter or rhyme. So... (laughs) There, there's no points in the message today, so if someone asks you about the sermon, you can tell them it was a pointless sermon, and I'll let them and you figure out if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I'm even going to let you know it's not really a very practical sermon, but it's a very purposeful one. It's very purposeful, I think, for our church in this season of life that we live in today. Today. This whole series really began in the fall of 2015, right here, where I took this picture that we're showing you on the screens. For the past several years now, a friend of mine here in the church, his name is Todd, uh, he and I take a a couple of days uh, every year, and we go on a prayer trip around the state of Wyoming. And in the course of two or three days, uh, we will travel into all 23 counties, kind of zigzagging all over the state, stopping at every county line to pray in and over the counties of our state. We pray for the leaders and for uh, the teachers and for schools and for pastors and churches that God would just move in a mighty way in every county in our state. It was actually on our very first prayer trip several years ago that the beginning stages of the I Heart Wyoming initiative was birthed in my heart. And here we are a few, few years later and we're partnering uh, with churches all over the state of Wyoming to elevate expand and reinforce the credibility of God's church here in our state. In fact, so far this year, just this year, not counting last year, it's our second year of the I Heart Wyoming initiative. So far, through your generosity, we have already given away this year $62,500 to 15 different churches, enabling them. Yeah, it's awesome. And the reason we do that is to enable them to get outside of their fences and serve their communities in tangible ways. And on the first year of our trip, we pulled in uh, to this town represented here. If you know what town it is, I'm not going to tell you. And don't tell anybody else. So I'm not trying to pick on anybody. But we'd already stopped in several other towns and other gas stations and restaurants. But this time, as we were checking out of, of this, uh, uh, checking at, at the counter of this gas station here, Todd, my friend, felt just led. We had not done this before, but he just felt led to ask the clerk, are there any churches in town you know of or one you could recommend? Seemed like an innocent question, and so he he asked it, and I'm not being mean or critical or condescending, I'm just telling you the story, okay? By her response, you would have thought we asked her to explain the theory of relativity. Like she racked her brain and hemmed and hawed and was uncomfortable and finally, kind of out of despair, said, "I, I can't think of any church in town. And so we bought our stuff, paid for our gas, walked out the door, and noticed across the street from the gas station, you'll see in the left-hand corner, you could see it from the counter in the gas station was a church. It wasn't some weird snake-handling church either. Like, it was a Bible-believing, Jesus-loving church. Now, to her credit... Maybe she was brand new to town and didn't know any churches. Maybe the question caught her off guard and she didn't know what to say, or you know, maybe she had a lot on her mind. I don't know. To, to her credit, there was a number of reasons she could have maybe not thought of one, but it just stood out to me. And so this year on our prayer trip back in April, we were in Ten Sleep, Wyoming. I, at another gas station, we had not done it since, I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me to ask the clerk at the local gas station that very same question we asked There. But I didn't do it. I ignored the Holy Spirit, disobeyed God, stayed inside my fence, paid for my gas and horrible coffee, walked out to the car and drove down the road with Todd. A few miles outside of ten sleep, the Holy Spirit just wrecked my heart. I was so convicted that I didn't obey the voice of God and perhaps missed an opportunity To bring Jesus and the church into our conversation. So, right there on the road, I just confessed to God and asked for His forgiveness. And I'm thankful for a loving God that forgives us of even uh, all of our sins. And then I confessed to Todd. I was like, hey, remember that time that you asked that clerk about a church? I said, I was supposed to ask the clerk back there, and I didn't. I just want you to know that, that I didn't obey God. And from that point on on our trip in April, at every stop, in every town we went to, not every stop, but every town we went to, we tried to ask. Some version of that question. So during the remainder of our trip, I believe we asked a dozen or so, maybe maybe 13 people, some variation of the question, is there a church in town you know of or one you could recommend? Out of a dozen or so conversations, only three people could name a church in their town. Only two recommended a church they went to. One lady, when we asked, is there a church in town you know of? Her response immediately was, oh, I don't go to church. We didn't ask her if she went. We asked her if she knew of a church. Another person, again, hemmed and hawed uncomfortably about this question. And then she said, pointing out of the restaurant, I think there's one down the road there. And then she told us a couple other general vicinities of churches that that she thought were in town, none of them by name. And then she said, but I don't go to any of those. I go to such and such a church, but she didn't even recommend it. Didn't tell us where it was. Another young lady we asked, are there any churches in town you could recommend? And again, I am not belittling these people or being critical, if anything, I'm being critical of the church. I'm just relaying facts to you. These were the conversations we had. I didn't even know what to do with this answer. We asked her if she knew of a church, and she said, oh, I'm the wrong person to ask. And I thought, well, what, is she brand new to town? Is she some kind of hellraiser? Like, what's going on? Again, this is what she said. I'm the wrong person to ask. I'm Catholic. <laughs> now, I don't know a lot about Catholicism, but I'm pretty sure you can actually recommend your church, but I don't know. That was her response to why she couldn't recommend one when she was Catholic. Multiple people we talked to could name liquor stores and believe there was a church not far from the liquor store they named. One lady, a waitress in one of the towns, actually got agitated with us. And when she was offended, we even asked her about our church and stopped serving our table. So we left her a giant tip and thanked her for her service. I didn't want us to be another reason to not like the church one guy didn't even we didn't even ask this one guy he overheard our question and in disgust he said i can't tell you any churches in town but there's at least 10 of them for every liquor store almost as if he was, it was a bad thing there were churches in his town i i can tell you there weren't even a total of 10 churches in that town but he thought there was at least 10 for every liquor store i don't know what to make of this i'm just communicating to you <laughs> And I know it's a very, very small, I'm not, it's not like some massive research we did, it's a very small sample size, but this stood out to me. And it has stuck with me, church. It's challenged me. Over the last four years, Years, several years, I've driven thousands of miles around our state. I've visited every county multiple times. I've been in dozens of our towns in Wyoming. I've yet to drive through an actual town, not a ghost town, but an actual town in Wyoming that didn't have a church. Even sometimes the smallest towns have multiple churches. Yet by the response of people that we encountered, it seems like we, the church, have been living behind the fences, Living behind the boundaries we have created. I mean, just the question about church was shocking to almost every person we talked to. It was shocking. That means the church and probably Jesus is not a part of the conversations in our communities today. And that's a problem to me. It's a problem to me. I don't know what would be said in Cheyenne if we asked the same question. I've not done that. I would, I'm I'm not afraid to ask the question, but with a church our size, I'm afraid the person would know me and be like, don't you pastor a church? Why are you asking me for a good church in town? Like, go to your own, loser. It just makes me question, are we known enough in our community for the good that we do? Are we? Are we? Are we living outside the fences enough that even people who don't go to our church would be able to say, I can name that church, that, that people who don't, don't go to one would say, I, I don't go to a church, but if I did, I'd probably try that one. I don't believe what they believe, but I cannot deny the good they do in our community. So I'll tell you about that one. I don't know. I don't know. This has all just got me wondering, and really is the catalyst for this whole series we're in. As Christians, as the church, have we become so afraid of of being infected by the world that we've actually stopped affecting the world? Or make it personal, have we we stopped affecting our own state? I, I think sometimes this is the posture of the church. We, we find ourselves kind of hidden in the dark behind our own fences. And oh, we, we can see the world out there. We even would say the world needs Jesus. Man, the world needs Jesus. I need Jesus and the world needs Jesus. But I, I can't go out there. It's safe in here. I'm protected inside my fences, my walls. It's more comfortable. It's not comfortable, by the way, just asking a stranger about a church. It's just not. But I think it's the only way to start living beyond the fences. I mean, we we say things like, well, if they would come to us, we'd tell them about Jesus. And make no mistake about it, church, when people come to us here at this church, we will tell them about Jesus every single Sunday. Yes, we want people to be a part of a life-giving church in their community. Yes, part of the Christian experience is that we gather together like we're doing today, that we gather together to worship God, to to strengthen one another, to fellowship with one another, to receive the word. But, But listen, how will the world know they can come to us if we're just stuck behind our fences protecting what we already have? Friends, the church is not the destination for people. The church is not the landing point. The church should be a launching pad to take us out into the world with the only message that matters today, and that message is Jesus. That's why we are so adamant as a church about outreach, about getting outside the four walls, getting outside of our fences to to serve our community in a tangible way, like the Back to School Bash, or Night to Shine, or Gas Buy Down, or I Heart Wyoming, or whatever it is. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If what happens in here does not lead to work out there, then what happened in here was not worship. Because the worship of God always leads to the work of God. And the work of God is to reach more people for Jesus. To seek and serve the last and the lost and the least in our community. To make some kind of difference that perhaps when a clerk is asked about a church, they would at least know one in their community. So before this last prayer trip, my friend Todd showed me a passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you want to turn there you can. 2 Corinthians in the New Testament portion of the Bible, uh, written by a man named Paul, we call him the Apostle Paul. Paul started a church in a town called Corinth. This is a letter to his congregation in Corinth. We call it Corinthians. I'm reading to you the first couple of verses from the message version of the Bible. The message version is, is written by a man named Eugene Peterson. He's a pastor, and the message is his idea of what the scripture means, okay? So I don't always recommend using the message. It's not a translation. It's a version from Eugene Peterson. But Todd shared this with me from the message Bible, 2 Corinthians 6, 11 through 13. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide-open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. That's where the series was born. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Isn't that beautiful? I believe that is the message for God's church today. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. You're not made to live life in a small way, but a significant way. So the question, are we living too small as Christians today? Are we choosing the firing squad of comfortability rather than the unknown of the black door? Are we hiding behind, even hoarding behind our fences, protecting what we already have instead of investing in what could be, even though we can't see it yet? Paul was calling these Christians to a wide-open, full life. And here's what struck me. The full life Paul was calling them to is not what you would expect. In that message portion we read, uh, Eugene Peterson worded it this way, I long for you to enter this wide open spacious life. Well, what is this life he was referring to? Well, if we go back a few verses, we'll see what this life is that Paul was calling the Corinthians to. As your pastor, I'm saying this life we're about to read is what I think God's calling us to in this next season of ministry. Okay, 2 Corinthians 6, we're going to go back now to verse 1. And now I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It's what we normally use here at Element. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1. It's on the screens too. Paul says this to his church. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Literally, don't take the salvation you have received. Don't take the message of the good news of Jesus and put it behind a fence. Or like Brielle said last week, because by the way, Brielle, our worship director, flat preached the paint off the walls last Sunday. Don't be like what that pastor said. Yeah, you can give a hand for her. That was awesome. She did amazing, amazing, amazing. Don't be like the servant in that story and hide what you've been given in the ground, right? The, 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 the message of Jesus is too good, Paul's saying. The hope of Jesus is too strong for us to ignore it. So I beg you, don't ignore it. For God says, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. I love that phrase. It brings such hope into today. We don't know when our last day will be. We don't know where our last day will happen. But today is the day of salvation. Today is the only day we have. So church, can we just seize the day? Can we make the most of every opportunity? Can we take the message of salvation outside of the fences, the message that all of us have sinned, that my sin and your sin separated us from God eternally? Nothing we could do to bridge, can, can bridge the gap from us to God. No work, no effort, no money. Nothing can bridge the gap between me and God. But God loved us so much He sent his son, Jesus, God in the flesh. He came as one of us. He died in our place. He rose from the dead. And by putting my faith in Jesus, I can not only be forgiven of my sins, but I receive a new life today, full life while I'm on the earth, and eternal life forever in heaven with him. Paul was saying, don't take that gift and put it behind a fence. It's too strong and too powerful. For us to hold on to it. Then jumping to verse 4 and 5, Paul says this. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food for the gospel. Don't forget, this is what blew me away. What we just read, that is what Paul was calling the wide open expanse of life. This was the fullness of life for Paul. Trouble, hardship, calamities, beatings, prison, facing angry mobs, working to exhaustion, enduring sleepless nights, going without food. That's what he was calling the Corinthian church to as the wide open expanse of life. And yet in America, we call the fullness of life more money in my bank account and a bigger house. To be honest, I'm saying this slightly tongue-in-cheek. What I just read from Paul kind of sounds like our preparation for the fourth service coming up. (laughs) Can I just speak candidly as your pastor for a moment? If you don't know, by the way, we have seen amazing growth. This year, as a church, God for some reason has blessed us with more and more people coming into our fence. <laughs> I think, due in part to our desire and ability to go outside the fence and, and serve people. But nonetheless, for whatever reason, we're seeing lots and lots of new people come, and it's, we need more room for people to gather on Sunday, and so we're adding on Sunday, October 14th, a fourth worship experience. Uh, the new times are on the screens here, 8.30, 10, 11.30 a.m., uh, so we're adding a service in the morning, which is where we need the most space in our growing seasons, and we're keeping that 6 p.m. service as well, um, and I, here's, here's what I want to say by speaking candidly. This is a stretch for our church. It's a stretch across the board. Staff, volunteers, ministries, it's a stretch. Now, we have not been beaten or put in prison over it yet. <laughs> and in no way am I trying to compare what we're facing with the fourth service to what Paul went through. That's not even in the same universe. I'm just saying, when I read this, it, I feel like some of this is what we're going through to present the gospel in another service. We, it's, it's definitely produced some conflict. Like We've had conflict on our staff. We've had conflict with some volunteers through this. Like I'm telling you, church, the enemy would like nothing more in a season where we've seen great fruit. The enemy would like nothing more than to divide us in two. And so I'm praying for unity in our church. It's 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 hard to do what we're doing. It's requiring extra work across the board. Like we have some staff and volunteers who are working themselves to exhaustion getting ready. For this, make no mistake about it, and I am not exaggerating, it is keeping us up at night. (laughs) Adding this fourth service, we've even had, I I, want to be careful, I'm not being like weird or creepy or oversensitive to the spiritual world, but we've on our own staff team have just had a heavy spiritual attack. I don't think the enemy wants us to keep going. And so I'm not saying all this, be like, oh, look at poor Jeff and his team working. So it's not why I'm saying this. I'm saying it to say this. We could stay at three services. We could stay at three services. It would be way easier. And just apologize to people that can't come throughout a room. I'm sorry, we're not gonna add a service for you. We could do that. But to me, that's living behind the fence. Or like Paul (laughs) We can say we are willing to do and attempt whatever it takes to reach more people for Jesus. Yes, it's hard work. Yes, it requires sacrifice. Yes, at times we will work ourselves to exhaustion. It will keep us up at night. But how dare we take the marvelous gift we've been given and hide it in the ground or behind a fence? So we're tearing down some freaking fences in this church. Can I just say that? We're tearing down fences. My parents aren't here today, so I can say that. But they'll listen, and then I'll get a talking to you and whatever. Paul goes on, verses 6 through 10. We prove ourselves by our purity. Notice he didn't say we prove ourselves by our theology. We don't prove ourselves by what we know, we prove ourselves by what we do. Our understanding, our patience, our kindness by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love goes right along with our last sermon series, by the way, love is louder than the noise. We faithfully preach the truth and I will continue to do my best to do that. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God, whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We are ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. And then, and then, that's where Paul goes into the words we read earlier, verses 11 through 13. Dear, dear Corinthians, can I say dear, dear Element Church, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide-open, spacious life We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Here's my challenge to me and our church. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Isn't that good? Church, I know that there are so many of you, you are way better at this than me. I'm a very introverted person. You might not believe me. I yell enough from the platform. Off the platform, I'd rather just be in the guy in the corner nobody talks to. So to walk into a gas station or a restaurant and a, engage a conversation about church and Jesus is way outside of my fence. But I'm telling you, I don't ever want to feel the conviction I felt that day in intensely again. I completely disobeyed the voice of God to stay inside my fence. And Paul says, I beg you, I beg you, don't ignore the gift you've been given. I'm not saying we got to talk to every single person. Don't be weird, okay? (laughs) Don't be weird. But be be a listener to the Holy Spirit. And he'll tell you what conversations to start and what ones not to start. I'll tell you which ones to engage and what not to engage. He'll he'll impress upon your heart, hey, ask them about church. Ask them about Jesus. Invite them to church. It breaks my heart that there were people in towns of our own state that couldn't name a church. We've got some work to do, gang. And so I can't speak for every pastor. I can't speak for every church. I know there's people on board with me. All I'm saying, as far as I'm concerned, for our church, we're tearing down some fences. We're going to live beyond the boundaries. We're going to do our best to bring Jesus and the church back into the conversation in our community. Maybe you're here today, though, and you've never experienced salvation through Jesus. I want to give you that chance today. It's going to take you stepping outside your fence, but make no mistake about it, Jesus stepped outside of his for you. He left the throne of heaven to die in your place here on the earth, and by faith in him, you can have your sins forgiven, a new life today, an eternal life forever in heaven with him. If you'd like to put your faith in Christ today, I just want you to say this prayer with me. Just repeat it silently to God. Father in heaven, I thank you that you left your fence for me. And now I'm stepping out from behind mine to receive salvation. I confess all my sins to you. Everything I've ever done, I give it to you. Please wash me clean and make me new. Jesus, would you live in my heart? Would you give me your Holy Spirit so that I can now live outside my fences for others? Would you help me to be a part of the change that we need in our community today? Thanks for loving me, Jesus. I will do my best to love you back. In His Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you're here today and you just prayed to receive Christ, please know you're among family. I, at a point in my life, had to pray that prayer. Dozens of others in this room have prayed that prayer, and we want to know about it. I think there's something powerful about acknowledging it. It was a private decision, but it's, it's a public life. Okay, And so if you want to go public with that, I want to... I Have you this? raise your hand. I just asked Jesus into my heart. Anybody say that by raising your hand right where you are. I just asked Jesus into my heart. All right. All right. No hands. I'm going to take that means all of us here know Jesus. But listen, if all of us here know Jesus, then we better go out and find some more people who don't. I'm okay with nobody raising their hands one week. I'm not okay for our lifetime in our church of that happening because that means we're not reaching new people. So let's break down some fences. Let's go out there. Let's be the light and love of Jesus. Amen? Amen? If you want to talk about what it means to know Jesus, find me in the lobby. Talk to one of our prayer team members in the back of the room. We'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, that's your decision to make. Okay? Let me pray for you, and then remain seated. got two quick closing words. Lord, thanks so much for being such a good, forgiving God. Lord, I want to listen to your voice. I want to follow you. I hate that feeling of conviction. So, Lord, I pray for myself. Help me hear your voice and obey it. Lord, I pray for all of us, Lord, and as we move forward now in this series and kind of make this more personal, Lord, I pray that we would live beyond the fences, beyond the boundaries in our life. Lord, I pray that you would allow us as a church to reach more and more and more and more people for you, and I pray that you and your church would become a part of the conversations in our communities. God, we love you and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you're new, please stop by the living room. We'd love to see you over there. If you need prayer for something, stop by the purple tent in the back of the auditorium. Our prayer team will pray as long as you need. Uh, prayer for, we'll pray for you back there. I love you guys. Uh, next week, we're talking about tearing down fences with our time. Super excited about it. We'll see you next week. Love you.